Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. Are we in the ass or the ears? I guess we're going to find out when somebody takes a bite. That's terrifying. Coming to you almost live from inside a hollowed-out chocolate bunny. This is The Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. We are your uh, Easter time hosts. I was going to say Yule time. It's really not. And if Christ- you, it's nowhere near Christmas. No, and if you say Eastery, it sounds like yeasty. A and little that's, bit. That's, that's also terrible. Unpleasant. We yeah. don't want to do that. It's great to see you, Scott. It's good to see you too. We are recording on the Easter weekend. That's right. Easter long. Uh, we're recording on on a. A good Friday. It is not a, a great Friday, no. but a good Friday. No. Uh, because Adam wants to uh, travel down the QE2 to visit his family for uh, Easter time celebrations. Well, let's be clear about this. I don't want to travel down the QE2. At the best of times, I never want to travel down the QE2 because it's always a nightmare. But I haven't seen my parents since Christmas, and that is unacceptable. It is time to go and visit them. Yeah, I also have some plans this uh, weekend with some family. So we are recording a little early. You mentioned a ham, actually. Uh, there will be a an Easter. I was going to say a Easter. That is <laughs> grammatically incorrect. That's true. An Easter ham uh, with Anita's family this weekend, and then a turkey with my family uh, shortly thereafter. That's awesome. You know what? Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna change my mind. It is a great Friday today, and the reason for that is. Because later on the show, we're going to have Ryan Jesperson. That's correct. He is the host of the Ryan Jesperson show on 630 Chat. The very same. And we've been on, we've been, we've had Ryan on the show before. Yes. Uh, as part of the Breakfast Television Bloggers Week. Yep. We, we were invited back a few times because they enjoyed us. And we blog. And, uh, sort of. Sort of. And, uh, in the laziest, most, uh, uh, loose, Way that you can possibly yeah, say blog. It's, it's, it really is like, let's let's blog something by pressing record and not editing ourselves. That's right. Uh, which I think most people would like to blog that way, honestly. Well, if they could. But uh, Ryan has uh, agreed to return to talk about his transition to radio and it's kind of his thoughts on the media and uh, just to have a conversation with us. Yeah. Basically. So you'll, you'll be hearing that later on. So uh, it was, uh, it'll be a great conversation. Yeah. Now, now, I actually have an important question. Oh, okay. Which was, which was kind of brought up uh, in our, our introduction to this show. When you eat your chocolate Easter bunny, mm. do you eat it ears first or ass first? Well, as in all things in life, I'm more of an ass man than an ear man. You know, honestly, I just grab whatever looks most delicious, and quite often that's ass. <laughs> What about now, you? I'm pretty sure that I go head first. So really? I'd start at the ears and work my way down. It's very methodical. It's uh, almost almost inhumane in a way. <laughs> what is your favorite Easter candy? Um, there are these scoops. I don't. I think they might just be called scoops. They're uh, they're chocolate eggs that have like a chocolate mousse in them, Ooh. and they come with a little spoon, and you just crack it open, and then you eat the gooing insides, and then and then they're delicious. I've never heard of this, and it sounds amazing. They come in a little purple egg carton, and they're only available this time of year. And uh, I quite like them. So both my wife and my mother know to get them for me. And then I have them stockpiled for like a month. It's great. (laughs) Uh, Nita likes chocolate and peanut butter, so I'll usually get her peanut butter cups. Oh, yeah. Those of of some manner. It's a good standby. You know what I really love are mini eggs, and I love that they're available all year round. I don't know what it is. They are now, yeah. 
They're, they're so delicious. I also like Cadbury cream eggs, but there was some controversy because I think that they've changed the recipe for the cream. That's what I'd heard. Yeah. But then I asked someone that question. They said, no, in fact, they changed the recipe for the chocolate. And then I was like, who gives a shit? Because <laughs> really, it's, the chocolate is, in a cream egg, the conveyance. For the delicious cream. And, and so yeah. what's the big fucking deal? Like, who cares? Basically. Nobody. That's who. That's right. Nobody cares. Now, there was some interesting news in Edmonton last week about our downtown arena. Yep. Um, they announced that one of the pieces of art that's, being, that's going to be part of the Winter Garden would be done by uh, artist Alex Janvier. Yep. Which is pretty exciting. It, what was weird about this to me, I mean, look up his artwork. It's fabulous. He's going to be doing a piece in the floor, as I understand it. But what's interesting about this is that it was news at all. Because, like, it was a soft news story that got picked up by everybody. Yes, kind of. The city is hungry for news about the arena. I think that might be more the case. And also because the city has kind of a hit-and-miss uh, relationship with its big public artworks as well. Yeah. The Talus Balls are not going anywhere, but they're also not terribly popular. I maintain the Talus Balls are a fabulous piece of art. Forget about what they cost for a moment. They're very cool. And they are in exactly the wrong place. That's also kind of true. Yeah. Because there's nothing like driving down Quinnell and getting blinded <laughs> yeah. by the noonday sun shining <laughs> off of giant metal balls. Uh, but there's uh, – so I think that there was kind of the uh, – there was, there was a little bit of interest in what it was going to be because there were people who were just waiting to just dump all over it. Probably. Which is kind of a shame because it's actually – I think it's nice work. Me too. I, uh, it's by uh, – essentially a local artist and an aboriginal artist as well as well yeah so i think that that's that's all great work and it's not like the city's flipping uh, flipping flitting the bill for it no no it's no. it's part of the arena construction cost so it, like what's the big deal you know i i will say this i was uh i i was an arena skeptic all the way up to when they broke the ground because of the funding and the political back and forth and seeing that structure go up is uh it's exciting i'm I'm inspired and i feel i'm I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about the new arena and it's something that I did not believe in before. I'm excited about all the construction going on downtown yeah I mean look around you could count you can't you don't have enough hands hounds Scott you don't have enough hounds i I literally don't you don't <laughs> you don't have enough fingers on your hands to count all the fucking cranes in the sky that's right um Though I do worry, or you know, I think about it every now and then, what's going to happen when the slump in oil prices catches up with the city of Edmonton? The mayor has repeatedly said it's not a big deal. Edmonton has a resilient economy. Uh, I believe that. And he might be right, but I, I, for me, I'm kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Um, I don't... There's going to be less MRI money coming in. Uh. Yes, municipal uh, MSI, MSI. MSI, sorry. Municipal MRI is uh, medical device. <laughs> That's right. I misspoke. No, you're right, uh, you're right about that. But there, there's going to be less of that coming in from the province. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think that... Um, that's that's only going to delay some major infrastructure projects. There's there's still going to be a lot of private construction that I think is going to continue unabated. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And I mean, the city's population is still forecast to grow, so yeah. it's people are still moving to Edmonton. I do believe, and and only because I've I've read it in a few articles and, and gleaned it here and there. I I think that Calgary is a little bit worse off than Edmonton because of the oil headquarters all being down there. Yes, and so maybe they're a little less resilient than Edmonton. 
That's probable. But, you know. We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see what happens to Calgary. I'll go down there this weekend. Well, you know, you, I'll be back by the time this. You'll, this, do, you'll do some, some scouting. Some yeah. recon. I'll go talk to Nenshi, see what's up. Just be like, hey, Nench. I imagine his friends, they don't, nobody calls him that. <laughs> I, well, you do now. Apparently, apparently yeah. I'm, I'm really sorry, Nench, that I let that, that, I let that slip. <laughs> now, there's, a, there's some other great news uh, for the city. Um, a couple weeks ago, they had to close Grow Road. Yes. Because of some steel. Uh, because the uh, 102nd Street Bridge yep. over Groat Road mm-hmm. broke, it, essentially. It, it actually it broke. broke. Yeah. Uh, they're currently uh, rebuilding it because uh, the old one was a relic. It, it needed to replace. Bridges it, have a lifespan. That's right. That bridge had reached its lifespan. And uh, so they, they tore it out, and they were putting up the new one. And for whatever reason, the steel girders that were being used for the bridge reinforcement buckled Mm -hmm. because of possibly Godzilla attack. We don't know. It hasn't been ruled out. They actually don't know, which Um, is is kind of interesting, right? So there's some speculation that it was wind and some of the pressure that was being put on them. And um, so, yeah, they, they had to shut down Groat Road so that they could move in a very large construction crane Mm -hmm. uh, to remove the broken girders essentially yeah. so that they could be replaced. And obviously that was going to delay the bridge because uh, now they need to source new steel and then get that shipped in and then get it replaced. And Well, so do they actually need to source new steel? Because as I understand it, once they took, once they got the crane onto the steel and lifted it, they started to straighten out. That, this bit. is why they build stuff out of steel. Steel is quite elastic. It is very surprisingly. elastic. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it was just a matter of once, once, they had some of the pressure taken off of it. Some of it did start to uh, adjust itself back into position. I don't think that was true with all of the steel, though. Maybe not. But um, I'm I'm not super up to date on all the particulars with that bridge. But yes, I'm under the impression that that some of it at least did straighten up. So well, it's it's not as bad as it could have been. That's right. And I, I guess by if all goes according to plan, by the time you hear this episode, Groat Road will be open again. The question now, to your point, Scott, is whether or not they need new steel. And if they do, it may delay the opening of the bridge by a whole year. Yep. Because they have to manufacture the steel, ship it back here. and well, yeah. Because it's, it's not like when you're, when you're building something like a bridge, you have your design, and then you, you essentially you have to custom order all the parts. Exactly. Because it's, like it's not like Ikea. There's no <laughs> Ikea for bridges. You actually, Although... You actually do need to have uh, like a... Uh, a steel factory, yeah, construct the pieces you need uh, from scratch. Essentially, yeah, um, they don't just go onto a pallet and, and pick out the parts that you need. So that that takes time, mm-hmm. and then you you're also in a queue for other orders, and uh, that costs more money, obviously, as well. So that adds to that, and uh, then it has to be shipped in. Now, I, as I understand it, they did source it. Locally, well, I and locally it, is is a nebulous term here. I don't know if it's necessarily an Edmonton company or an Alberta company, but it's certainly certainly somewhere closer than overseas. It's yeah. not like they ordered Chinese steel for sure. For sure, it's North American steel. I, I don't know exactly where it's from. I'm I I thought I had heard it was at least Canadian. It, maybe it's from Hamilton, but I could be I could be mistaken. Yeah. On that. So don't quote me on that. I, I will not quote you on that, and no one who's listening to this will quote you. No on one that. who's listening to this should quote me on it. Now, another transportation issue in the city of Edmonton is the perpetually not open metro line of the LRT. Yeah, the metro line. The Once fuck? again delayed this week. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, as I understand it, the signal contractor 
still has not filed some important papers with the city, and that has once again delayed its opening from the beginning of May to, and I quote, and this is a quote, sometime in May. Really? Yep. Oh, my God. So they don't even have a firm date. At least they did not have a firm date as of Wednesday of the week that we're recording this. And, and this, is a, this is like, how long has this been going on? I don't want to say a year or now. Has it been a year? I don't think it's been delayed quite a year, but it was. But it, it has been meeting. I, I want to say six months. Yeah, I, that it's now six months over. I think you're right about that. I think it was supposed to open in the fall winter area. Yeah. And it was. It was supposed to open. I think in time for the new school year. Yeah, at Nate. Actually. Yeah, so that Nate students who have their U pass could justify uh, voting in favor of having a U pass. Yeah, and uh, and I, it's still not open. It's shitty. It's really shitty. Though. And uh, some city councilors have started to grumble that it might be time to get the city auditor to take a look at that project. Yeah. And that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, that is that's a big not deal. Minor, so. And I think I think they probably should. I mean, with this many mess-ups, you know, something's got to happen. Yeah. Some we have to at least look into it so well, we can especially learn from could, it. so that they don't have the same problems when they go to build the uh Mill Woods LRT. Exactly. Which is uh right at this point like a significantly longer line, too. Yeah. So yeah, they have to learn from stuff. That's really important. Remember that. Learn. <laughs> the Oilers continue to shit the bed. They are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. They were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs by the beginning of the year. Ages well, ago. Let's be fair. Ages ago. Um, that said, they've been playing pretty good lately. Mm-hmm. Again, as of our recording of this show. Although, the, as of our recording of the show, I, I thought the last night... Uh, we're, so it's Good Friday. They played on Thursday night against the LA Kings, and I thought they lost eight two or something. Probably, like that. but they they have been playing well overall over their last, let's say, eight games. Sure, that that's and, true. and they had a really good home stretch recently. Yeah, where they won several of those games. Um, so maybe things are finally starting to click. Maybe Edmonton Oilers team. I guess the question now is whether or not they keep around the coach that they have on an interim basis. Also, is Bachman back in the lineup because he he got he left he was he was goaltending and had gone on uh, gone on a stretch as their goaltender and had been doing very well and then there was uh, as I understand it a death in the family mm, okay and he had to leave the team to go and and deal with family stuff and uh, I was under the impression that that may have also not helped yeah <laughs> I'm not sure if he's back it's it sounds like he's still unavailable there you go so yeah. that might have also had something to do with them having a bad game yeah, in yeah. there. Um, because goaltending is something that the team has been struggling with. Defense is something the team has been struggling with for years. Winning games is something that team has been struggling with. Uh, they can score goals usually. Yeah. It's just that they also then let in more goals from the other team. They like getting scored on. They don't like it. They just do it. Um, I, I want to just go back to the city building thing. I, I had forgotten the other thing I want to talk about. It now I remember it. You, the Oilers, as always, were filler. They were filler. Um, hopefully one day they won't be. But uh, last week, when, at the time of this recording, the city and province got together and announced that they had a little bit of dough for the McDougal United Church. That's right. Across the street from the Edmonton Journal building. And this is something we've spoken about before as well. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it when we had Nate Box on the show about how important it is to preserve these historical buildings. Now, the, the McDougal United Church um, needs a hell of a lot more money than what the province and the city put up. I think the province and the city put up uh, $1.25 million. So 750000 from the city and 500000 from the pro- sorry, 750 from the province, 500000 from the city, and 
now they need a hell of a lot more. The, apparently, the rest is estimated uh, to be between 10 million to 20 million. So that's quite a range. Yeah. And they, they really want to turn it into more of a concert hall than it is already, like some major improvements, electrical, structural stuff, all that shit. Well, if you're essentially needing to rebuild the building, you might as well go the whole nine yards. Yeah, right? yeah. And, the pro- and uh, it is an arts venue, and it's a good arts venue, mm-hmm. and, and it's a good idea for it to remain an arts venue. And, I mean, that that can help with future maintenance of the church as well, because if you have uh, concerts or, or groups coming in to do events there, yep. that's that goes into the church's coffers, and then they can use that to help maintain the building in the future, something they haven't been able to do up until now. Yeah, and at least, like, I mean, this, this gets them the sort of critical stuff that needs to be done. They can do now because they have the money. Um, I think, I seem to recall, I'm just looking at the article here from the journal, uh, that they were going to designate it a, his, a provincial historical site as well. They Well, they had... W- Maybe they've finally decided to. They were reticent to do it at first because then there's limits on what they can do with the money. With the money, right? And the congregation wasn't exactly uh, thrilled at that prospect because, understandably, they want to fix the building their way. And if it's a historical site, they have to fix the building the federal government's way, basically. That's right. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I think that they finally decided that it was in their best interests to do that because then the federal government is also willing to help. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, it's good news, uh, but they still have a long way to go. Yes, they do. I'm just relieved that someone's decided that it is important to restore this building. It's 105 years old. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of heritage in Edmonton, and it's it would be a shame to lose some of it. Yeah, well, we we've, we already have, as we, we, have, as we discussed in that episode That's with right. Nate. But. And uh, so every uh, group or, or individual or organization that decides that they want to take the time to preserve a little bit of our city's history is uh, certainly not going to have me turn up my nose to them. That's for sure. No, you will get what we call the unknown studio handshake. That's right. Which is the us. Audio handshake. <laughs> here, here it goes. That's what it sounds like. Yep. That was us shaking. The unknown it. studio audio handshake. If you actually knew what I was doing just now, you would be disgusted. <laughs> you, you would think it was gross. And you'd be right, because it was disgusting. <laughs> but the handshake was meant in the best of ways. It was, it was a collegial sort of uh, thing. That just happened. That, just, that literally just happened. Now, it sounds like we're going to have a provincial election pretty soon. Yes. Uh, um, yes. Yeah. That's uh, something that I mean. It's pretty much an open secret. Mm-hmm. The uh, the government uh, has been kind of gearing up in pre election campaigning, yeah. And all of the opposition parties have been getting a full slate of candidates together, expecting that there's going to nobody said yes, there's going to be an election yet, <laughs> yeah. But everybody kind of knows there's going to be an election, yeah. And uh, an Edmonton lawyer, Tom Engel. Uh, tried to stop it in court from happening. Well, that's right because there's legislation that that actually sets fixed date elections. Yes, and uh, this and Tom's contention was that this is a violation of the law. Yeah, and he tried to file an injunction against an election happening. Yep, and a judge said, "Tom, go away." That's not exactly what the judge said. <laughs> uh, the judge actually said that he had a fairly strong argument, mm-hmm. but not a strong enough argument. Hmm. Um, and as I understand it, the application is still there. Um, but it's not, it hasn't progressed. It's, so. it's not surprising. I mean, it's a provincial court judge, right? I, I would have to be, I would assume. So like 
do you, if I were a judge, and I know very little about judging. legal judging, but, but that seems like a pretty big precedent to set if you rule in favor of this person. But if the, if the government introduces a law that says we can't just call elections at the drop of a hat anymore, yeah. from now on, it's four years, and then we have an election between X date and X date. Yeah. And then the moment it becomes inconvenient for them to wait that long, they go, you know what? We're going to have an election after all. That's kind of, that's kind of a dick move. It, it flies in the face of the spirit of the law. Of the, the law place. that you just passed yourself. <laughs> and uh, that's, I think that there is reason, therefore, for a lawyer to then challenge it and yeah. say, you know what? If you're going to pass this law... I'm going to see that somebody actually enforces it. It'll be interesting to see what happens after this this election that's supposed to occur, uh, if anything happens with this this application to the, before the courts. Well, and it's also – it'll be interesting to see what happens at this election because I would argue that right now the progressive conservative party in Alberta is the least popular it has been in my life. Mm. Yeah, and, I mean, and there are few people who I think would say that they are happy – with our current government yeah, and its current that. leadership. Yeah. On the other hand, I don't expect that that will actually translate to them losing the next election. No, I mean, I, I think that a lot and of it, Albertans are frustrated and just don't know who else to pick. Well, not only that, I think that one of the reasons why the government wants to have the election now is because they're, all of their uh, political opponents are in worse off shape than they are yeah. right now. Yeah. No one is ready for an election at the moment. And so therefore it behooves them to do it as soon as possible. Yeah, no, I agree with and that. And that sounds super cynical to say. It does. And that that but that's basically my observation of the the situation. Agreed. No, totally. I'm no Dave Cornerier. Uh with with my political watchings. Yeah. Uh my life dedicated to seeing what's going on in the Alberta legislature. But uh, that is kind of the implication that I have. Well, and, and you, you know, you sit around tables where this is getting discussed a lot. Uh, so no big deal. Um, hilarious that you would mention Dave Cornway because he had a pretty good uh, post on April Fool's Day. The headline for which says Prentice to honor 2016 fixed election date and plans tough climate change targets. And he had a few people fooled. But the thing that gives it away is at the end, when he says that uh, Jim Prentice appointed Danielle Smith to lead uh, an initiative for the Alberta Global Warming Institute. And, and I think that gave it away for Dave. Yep. But very clever. Uh, did you notice any really outstanding April Fool's jokes? I, I try to stay away from the internet on April 1st. I don't blame you. It's, uh, it's a difficult day to be a journalist. I imagine so. Uh, because, like, normally you do have to fact check stuff that comes in. But on April Fool's Day, you have to, like, quadruple check everything <laughs> that comes in. Because um, most April Fool's stuff is very obviously April Fool's stuff. But every now and then, a legitimate organization will send an April Fool's press release. And it has just that hint of believability. And so you kind of have to go, that could be a thing, maybe. We should double check that. Yeah. Um, and usually it turns out to be not a thing, but every now and then it's like, oh no, that actually wasn't a joke. That would be that actually happened. That would be stressful, and on the one hand, at best stressful, at worst infuriating. But on the other hand, you do get an opportunity to see a lot of the other April Fool stuff that's around. I uh, I did happen to catch uh, WestJet stunt this year, which was uh, something to do with you get on your chair before you board the airplane. 
and then it drives into the airplane. And the video for it is quite funny. Uh, the EIA released a video of their new 10-story high water slide. Yeah, that comes out of the control tower. Yep. Yeah, that and was... Right down to the tarmac. Yeah. So that you can water slide while waiting for your plane. Uh, <laughs> It'd be amazing. There's, uh, there was some, uh, some interesting stuff. Yeah. From uh, all corners. Oh, April Fool's Day. It's still not a day I enjoy. Not and really. I'm glad we're not recording or releasing on April Fool's Day. Uh, and for the record, if we ever do record or release an episode on April Fool's Day. There will be no, no April f- tomfoolery. No, it'll just be a great show with two beautiful hosts and probably a guest. No Jap- Jack Napery no, will no. be happening on this show. Nothing like that. That's not how we roll, dear listener. No, and we y- promise you, we solemnly swear, we will not April Fool's you. No, we won't. But what we will do before we get to our interview with Ryan is thank all of our Patreon contributors. That's right. Because they help support the show. And uh, you should also help support the show. Yeah, so go to patreon.com slash unknownstudio. We, um, we want to continue bringing you the Unknown Studio for free. We absolutely do. We, we want to do that. But if we can't pay our bills, we might have to stop doing that. Scott has a powerful video game addiction. And Adam has a powerful beer addiction. <laughs> um, which you can tell by his beer gut. Yes. Uh, the point is... Um, <laughs> We we haven't quite graduated into voluntelling people to subscribe no. to our Patreon campaign, but we do need more subscribers. And and we're gonna you're gonna see a lot more activity of that nature from us over the next few months. That's right, uh, we- because we we do need your support to continue making the show, mm-hmm. and we do want your support to help make the show better. Totally, and we want to give our uh, patrons the fabulous things that we promised them once we reach those thresholds. For sure. And we can't do that if we don't have more patrons. So so we need you. Sign up. Yeah. As little as a dollar a month will get you our gratitude, if nothing else, and will help support the show. Yeah. And thus allow us to uh, to continue making the show and making the show better, hopefully, for you. Our, so. our most recent patron actually asked not to be named on the air. Okay. Well, then um, they are they know who they are. And we thank them. We do. For their contribution. And we thank all of our patrons who have contributed so far. We really appreciate uh, people who are willing to back us financially. And you know what? We really appreciate the people who are willing to back us um, just by listening to the show. So thank you so much. And if you wait just a moment, you will hear the dulcet tones of Ryan Jesperson. <laughs> We're, we're broadcasting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then I probably won't talk about the specifics of my contract. Uh, no, I'm not on probation. <coughs> That's the great thing. There's, there's, there's kind of like people work under, well, various descriptions. Wow, we're just going to kick it off strong here talking about trends in media and who's getting hired it's and fired. It's why you're here. And, it's awesome. Thanks for having me, by the way, guys. Hey, welcome to the show, Ryan Jesperson. I love who we didn't introduce at all. We just kind of dove right in. That's but you know what? We call this a rolling start. There yeah, you go. Exactly. You know? Uh, but uh, yeah, no, wow, is media ever changing? So um, people that are working right now, people that you know that are working in media are, you know, some of them are probably part time, some of them are probably full time, some of them are, are union, some of them are contract. Uh, you know, there's, there's contract people that are outside the union working alongside. Uh, and quite happily, I might add, uh, oftentimes people that are union, everybody gets along, but it's different realities for everybody. And as the industry changes, it's 
it's, you know, become more and more crazy. So, uh, for myself, one of the biggest changes of my career, um, that is oftentimes understated because people don't, you know, usually talk about this kind of stuff, uh, was when I first got the job at breakfast television in city back in the day, that was the first time that I left a union and went out on my own and sort of, you negotiate your own contract, essentially starting from scratch. I mean, depending on who's initiating it, starting from the terms of the first offer or whatever the case may be. But it's it's kind of an, you know, right here in the unknown studio. That's that's an unknown landscape. And uh, and then and then there's the people that will hire an agent or a lawyer to do it. And then there's the people that love to do it themselves. In, in and, media? An agent? Oh, yeah. Really? Sure. In Edmonton? I would, I, I would guess, uh, and media people that hear this, I would love to have a conversation and see what people think. I would guess that maybe... Five percent of Edmonton's media personalities employ an agent. Wow. Yeah. That, Maybe ten I mean, percent, but I doubt it. I don't, but I employ a lawyer. You're kind well, of an, I mean, you're an idiot if you don't employ a lawyer. For for like the contract stuff for sure. I well, just you know, yeah. it just seems weird that uh But some people hate talking about that stuff. Some people hate talking about how much they think they're worth to a company. And you also have to understand, like it happens in the uh, you know, say like in, in pro sports with arbitration and stuff, sometimes like you have to have a conviction of what you're worth. You also have to kind of know what your minimum is. And then those are the parameters of, I mean, you know, everybody's sort of like shoots high and then players, you know, offer low and then you sort of meet in the middle or sometimes it goes differently and you just say, let's cut through all this. Like, you know, what are we really talking about here? And some people hate having those conversations. Yeah. I, I, I don't like talking about money. No. It's, Does anybody I, really? I don't think so. I think it's because a lot of people don't like the idea of assigning a dollar value to themselves. Sure. Because it kind of it diminishes you in a way. It feels like it diminishes you to just talk about your, your personal worth. As, and you have as to be careful to not take that kind of stuff personally either. Yeah. Like if your employer says, you know, gives you a number of like, this is sort of how we see your value around here, uh, you can't let that be personal. No. And but it always makes me think of like in old cartoons when uh when someone would look at Bugs Bunny and see a roasted bunny and I feel like sometimes employers look at you and see a sack with a dollar sign on it. Well, it's funny like though, like yeah, no, we, we take it back to the pro sports things like in in salary arbitration, they always have that's why players will have their agents handle it because I mean it's it's a tough exercise to go through for a player to hear a team talk about why you're not worth how much you think you're worth. I mean, those can be straight because you're speaking to an arbitrator. These are very straightforward sort of bullet point conversations. Of, I mean, imagine hearing that kind of stuff. Like you're a defenseman. Like you're poor defensively. You've slowed down in your later years. You know, you have discipline problems. I mean, and, and then best case scenario, you're in arbitration. You get a deal. Both sides sign the deal. And now you've got to play for that organization that just tore you a new one yeah yeah you know it's just a weird dynamic that's why there are sports psychologists or that's one of the reasons there should be media psychologists there probably really should be i I think they're probably just called psychologists or it just would make us sound even like bigger narcissists (laughs) than everybody already thinks that we are true true now um so you've been on 630 ched since january now january 12th was the first show and you've been it's called the ryan jesperson show yeah um why the why the move from television to radio? Can we talk about that? Sure, Is that of course. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I hosted breakfast television for six years. Yeah. I was employed by City for nine, and within that time, started when the ownership was Chum, and then it transitioned to Bell Globe Media, which became CTV Globe Media, and then of course the CRTC ordered that 
uh, you know, CTV Globe Media uh, divest itself of some of its TV properties. And so they packaged up City TV nationally and sold it to Rogers. Um, and so, yeah, I saw a couple of ownership changes and a lot of adventure down there when I came to City. It was, uh, you know, I mean, it was just like how I had imagined it. It was my first big City TV job. Um, you know, and, um, and so it's pretty exciting, uh, ground floor stuff. I was a, a VJ. I would work weekends. I'd fill in for, you know, the sports anchor or the weather host when they weren't around or couldn't make it. But I love, I mean, I was loving it. It was amazing. The buzz of that newsroom, you know, 10 minutes before you go to air live at 6 PM with the anchors getting all ready and the producers tearing stuff off the printers and, and editors rushing tapes back and, you know, stuff being cut last minute and the, the conversations between the controller and the anchors. And I was just like, this is what I had dreamed of. This is what it was all about. And, uh, had some great opportunities there, uh, to, to, cover a great deal of news and and as but it was right at kind of at the beginning although people might argue when the beginning of the change of media was but uh, I would say that that was kind of right like it didn't last that way for long let's put it that way yeah totally you know soon the the 11 p.m news and the weekend news was canceled or soon uh some people that left to pursue other opportunities weren't being replaced and and then there was the first big boom the, the first big round of cuts national job losses in the hundreds and that was a, a one that you know most people that work at City TV won't soon forget. And uh, yeah, and it, and it just started to change. But as you know, I mean, some people jump ship, or some people you know have unfortunate circumstances lead to their departure. And and for me, kind of just the way it worked out. Um, and, and I certainly don't mean this in any insensitive manner. It's just facts. Is that I was the one that was sticking around. So I, I mean, the opportunities were kind of being thrown my way yeah uh so that's kind of just how it worked for me and, and until i was offered the bt job in in um i think it was the summer of 2008 so uh which was an amazing opportunity and and great uh, six years of anything i think is a is a long or i mean relatively speaking it depends what you're talking about but for me that was enough time to 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 really take in the experience fall in love with the job maintain my love affair with the job and leave on great terms with the job. Um, my contract had expired. Uh, the timing was interesting. Chad had approached me, asked me if I'd be interested in talk radio. I had always been interested in talk radio. Uh, it seemed like one of those opportunities where two trains are passing <laughs> on the tracks and I was on the one and the other one was passing and I had a chance to jump, but I had to decide, you know, and, um, said he made me an offer to return and, and I thanked them and told them I decided to move on and, and started a new career with, with chorus uh, of course, uh, you know, owned by Shaw. So it was a, a total jump for me from yeah. one company to another, totally. from one media conglomerate to another. And, um, and of course, as you know, I work alongside Scott C. Bourgeois and, and, and Technically. A, a talented <laughs> team. Uh, but Scott's jumped in on the show a couple of times, uh, and I'm sure that that'll continue to happen, of course. But it's just, it's a new workplace. It's a new group of people. It's a totally new format for me. I'd never done talk radio before, so the first... I mean, the first three months here, we're coming up on three months. It's, it's exploratory. Like the show is, someone said to me, you know, describe your show. It's the personality of your show. I said, well, listen, and you tell me, cause I have no idea. We're, we're figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's and, exciting. But I mean, I think it's, you know, whatever you're doing, I think you should keep doing it. You've had some really interesting guests on you've done, you've covered some really interesting topics. And one of the things I love uh, is that you're not afraid to speak your mind Yeah, and you've been given, you've been given this, this forum to do that and it's a great voice to have in edmonton yeah and i think it was one that was missing well thanks i, I appreciate that i don't it's... think we knew it was missing until ryan got on the radio well i think i i think in, and this is a compliment i think for for chorus and 630 chat and myself a, a, you know still the 
most frequent feedback that I get from people at, you know, the grocery store walking the sidewalk or whatever is like either I didn't expect to hear that kind of stuff on Chad or I haven't listened to Chad forever and I've been listening to it for, you know, for the last little while and really enjoying it. Or people that are that are just kind of surprised about the relationship in general. Yeah. About me coming over there, about them hiring me. Um, and it was uh, – I think it was an exciting – I think it was – I think everybody's excited to have it happen. And, and it's been interesting because there's been sort of winds of change blowing through the Chad lineup for quite some time. You know, yeah, Mark yep. Schultz decided to stay at home with their beautiful son. And, and Andrew Gross wanted to return to the afternoons. And there was Jalen Nye with him. And they're kind of partnering up now. And there's – I mean, it's just uh, – there's, you know, been some significant shuffling, which I think is probably always um, – I don't want to use the word risky in a workplace, but you never know how it's going to impact yeah, the dynamic. Yeah, I would have said the word risky, uh, especially on on uh, programming on radio. People tune into radio to hear, and this is going to sound weird, the same thing yeah. during the day. So, And that's not to say they want to hear you always talking about the same stuff, but they want... Some people want that. They Well, yeah. But uh, most people want the... Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um I suppose the comfort of having the same voice talking to them at the same time and the same political perspective and, and, this, and, yeah. and sort of, uh, you know, some sort of content that's congruous yeah. with your moral conviction. I mean, things like this and yeah. guys like Rutherford were institutions on, I listened to Rutherford yeah. for years. I mean, and Rutherford was my sort of book of study for talk radio along with Charles Adler. Yeah. Those are kind of the two guys that I've listened to a ton, uh, for years and years and years. You know, I mean, it blows my mind. My dad's a, a physician down in Calgary, and one summer while I was going to university, he was uh, helping me out with some employment. They needed to have their charts switched over from uh, a paper format, and they're getting them, blah, blah, blah. Long story. You can imagine a doctor's office with 7,000 patient files converting from paper to electronic. I mean, it's, oh my gosh, right? A nightmare, yeah. So I'm sitting in the back room, and I'm working on these charts, and uh, I would have the, I'd have the radio on the whole time, and I would just listen to Rutherford every single day from 9 to noon, 9 to noon, 9 to noon, every single day, every single day. He took my calls a couple times. I mean, I'll never forget those moments. I have so much respect for Dave Rutherford. Uh, and, uh, and and it kind of blows my mind right now to think that I'm occupying that time slot in Edmonton uh, doing a show that's probably quite a bit different than Rutherford's. Uh, and there's no slight against him or me. It's just different. It's been funny how many people will text <laughs> text our text line to to tell me that I'm no Dave Rutherford. <laughs> that's exactly the point. But like, you, like that's an insult. That, you know? Not only that, how could you be Dave Rutherford? Well, and you don't want to be. Dave Rutherford doesn't want someone trying to be Dave Rutherford, and no. someone coming in after him doesn't want to try to be him. The guy was there for 20 years. He's a legend. But, um, I mean, if if that's not your thing, then that's not your thing. And the whole point is... When you're, you know, having conversations every single weekday from nine to noon, three hours of conversations every single day, if you're not consistent with who you are on the air, uh, if pe- people know, people, you'll expose yourself. There's only so long you could, I mean, unless you're Stephen Colbert on the Colbert Report, <laughs> uh, you know, there's no way to stay in character. I don't think that consistently in something that might be at odds with your perspective on on topics that you're talking about, especially you're especially when you're inviting the public to talk to you about it. Right. I, I think that would be the biggest challenge for me, if it were me. Yeah. Um, so so one of the thoughts that occurred to me in January as you sort of took the reins, and I listened to your first couple of shows, is is this a strategy or or whatever for Chad or for Chorus to inject some youth into their programming? Have you guys talked about that at all? Or is it just, it's it's more a psychographic than than a demographic thing for them. Mm-hmm. 
Psychographic. So, more behavioral than That's than age such a related. Fantastic word. I work. I work in advertising. We wow. Use that stupid Some word all the time. Adverlingus. Some, yeah, <laughs> something like that. that. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I mean, I guess you know, I'll start by saying you'd probably have to ask Chad that. Okay. Right. But um, you know, I think you know, I think it's fair to say that when we were talking about the opportunity and. Um, you know, there was obviously some conversation about uh, how I would be, you know, quite a drastic departure from what people might be used to hearing in that time slot. And um, and I said sort of straight up, you know, like, you know, we'll probably be having some conversations that would lean quite left, you know, either socially or otherwise. And that's not to say I'm not a labels guy, you know. Like, you know, I, I, let me just dangle this tasty little tidbit. Like, I've, I've never voted liberal, provincially or federally. Wow. But that's not to... What if I've never voted? I won't... I won't <laughs> you monster. I, all I will say is that. All I will say is that to, <laughs> to immediately uh, answer so much... It's so funny. Like, people are, you know, you're a liberal talk show host or you're whatever. No, I'm not. I'm a, I am a common sense person. And it's a, it's a curious conversation every day based on common sense and if you think that i am out to lunch the phone lines are always open and viewers are taking part in the conversation through the text lines and emails every single day all morning long so i mean to the point where i'll interrupt an interview if, if i see a great question and and it's something that i haven't even gone near in other words i kind of go oh wow that's that really is a great question. Boom! Like the interview will take that direction. It's a conversation between the listeners and the guests and myself. So, um, someone said, someone in one of the newspaper articles, right as the show is la launching, somebody called me a centrist talk show host. And what I thought, does that I, even like? That mean, is a terrible like, like, thing. No, but but I but I think they meant it in in almost a, just a matter of fact way, not as a shot. And I took that as kind of uh, a compliment. Like that's you know for me, it's like if you if you are just conservative, like large C conservative, or if you are, if you are like, you know, if you, if you, your political affiliation or your sort of like ideological affiliation immediately defines your perspective on every single issue. Yeah. I think that's absolutely bananas. In other words, if you're conservative on fiscal policy or in how you view taxation or, or whatever the case may be, and that automatically defines how you feel about gay marriage. I don't think you can draw a line between those two based on political affiliation. Now, some people will s suggest that you have to subscribe, obviously, to sort of a party's perspective on something. If you if you want the the, the wild rose perspective on on taxes in the province and you want to support them, you kind of have to get on board with the fact that they're never probably going to have like flamboyantly openly gay MLAs that are sort of like playing a big part in the party's approach. Just ask the grassroots. We've seen it. And yeah. I know that this type of comment upsets a lot of people, but the proof is in the pudding. Uh, at the same time, you know, if you if you sort of look more to how the NDP uh, supports social programs and you like their policy there and you think that they're on track with how green they are on their perspective towards industry, keep in mind then you also sort of, if you're going to vote for that, you know, you also kind of subscribe to, to uh, some, some tougher terms and conditions for those that are working in, in the energy sector here in the province and, and everything that comes along with that. So. When it comes election time, you do sometimes have to make tough choices and reconcile those choices with yourself, aware of your priorities and, and what you find acceptable. But I think that it's important to be able to explore individual issues on their own. Yeah. You know, how do you feel about this specifically and why? Yeah, I actually think that's that's interesting because I think that's probably you've just described the frustration that most voters have in this province is that they, you know, in order to make a choice for whom they want to lead, they have to choose 
they have to pick the issue. They have to rank their issues in order and decide what's most important to them. And sometimes that means voting for a party or an individual who represents this one thing that's super important and then a bunch of shit that people don't agree with. Uh, do you, I didn't know you guys were allowed to say shit. Oh, yeah, man. This is. Am this I is, allowed to say shit? You can say whatever uh, you want. You well, say, I don't know if I can say it. Yeah, you wow. can say whatever you want. That's yes. so liberating. <laughs> I, uh, I, I refrain from swearing on our show as much as possible, yeah. mostly because I also read the news on a widely. I agree. Uh, yeah. Scott doesn't Although I it. dropped my first F bomb on, on Instagram the other day. And, and how, I, and how did I, that go? I over? thought. Well, it, it uh, you know, I mean, well, Adam, it's one of my top liked photos. <laughs> I'm looking at it up Ryan right now. Jesperson on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> but as far there. as I was concerned, I and I sat there because I felt like I had got my hands, I had snapped a money photo. Anybody on Instagram or Twitter, whatever, anybody, anybody, any, any photographer throughout history, for that matter, you know, when you've got that image, like you're like, bam, there it is. And uh, it, it, you know, go check out my Instagram, find out what I'm talking about. But I, I determined that I could not accurately. Hit it on point, comment-wise, without the F-bomb, and so I, I chose to employ it. No, this this nails it. You have to go to Instagram.com slash Ryan Jesperson and see the photo he took with the dogs in the pickup truck. That is all I will say. Yeah, and tell me tell me if you think I'm on point about using the F-bomb and, and tag Unknown Studio. Yeah, no, I, I, think it's, I think it's great. And you know the best one? The best is that uh, John Manning responded right below and says, I've got the angriest boner right now. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those photos. I think I've used uh, the F word once in a tweet. Really? It was to someone. I don't so. think I've ever sworn on Twitter. And that was, I think that is the only time. And it was in, it was in context again. Yeah. It was kind of the same thing. But then you I wasn't look swearing at... at someone. I was throwing down a poignant profanity as part of, uh, I want to say it was a joke, actually. I used, yeah. I used to do it all the time, constantly, before I got like what I would consider to be a legitimate job. Yeah, like how would Calder <laughs> Bateman feel about that if you're th- Not great. sprinkling F-bombs everywhere? Uh, and, and like Scott said, and, and there's even a double standard. <laughs> it's not a double standard, but it's just the reality. But in newsrooms or in, in big studios like the Ched Studio, Scott arguably has to conduct himself more carefully than I do uh, because he's the authoritative voice on the news. And I'm kind of the editorial, how do you feel about it? everything yeah right so uh it's to be expected now that said uh, you know like i said i can't remember if i've ever sworn on twitter but but then you look and i'm not throwing him under the bus i mean it's a public forum but like andrew gross he'll drop f-bombs on his twitter but he's also a comedian He's a comedian. Well, yeah, and he also co-hosts the six thirty chat afternoon news from two to six. So it's mm. kind of like, um, and and I've actually never had that conversation with with our boss to ask about that or anything. I mean, it's none of my business. I've just always found it to be interesting. Um, I just find like I don't know. I, I it, it's just kind of not part of who I am on Twitter. I'm pretty le- legitimately myself, but I think you know it's like when you're having dinner with your grandparents. You, you're still yourself. You conduct you're, yourself a little you better. Conduct though. yourself yeah. a little differently. And maybe your grandparents don't though. Maybe they're. Ancient right. and Grandpa's racist. A sailor like, you know, and, who knows, yeah. right? <laughs> now, I wanted to yeah, ask all the you. Sailors are upset. <laughs> Dear Chad, that Ryan Jesperson guy. They, they curse like a sailor. Like, do you think sailors have ever been upset, or is that a badge of honor? I have no idea. I we should we should find a sailor. We should and ask that. Let's go out there, Scott, and find ourselves a sailor and have our way with him. <laughs> uh, I've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I wanted to ask you, though, because I know, like. At the morning show on on breakfast television, like when you had Scott and I in the studio there a couple times, yeah, for our BT Bloggers Week, yeah, watching you work was exhausting. Like it was <laughs> not not only were you were you you know sitting down talking into the camera talking with guests, but in between commercials and in between segments, you were always doing something. It wasn't sure. it wasn't like sit back and relax. No, has the pace gotten? 
has how has the pace changed in radio? Because now you're still doing it for three hours, yeah, and it's all you, almost all you, except for a few news and and traffic and weather things, right? So how's the pace? Do you love it? Yeah, uh, I do. It's uh, it's hard to compare the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, both are a lot of work, to be honest. Uh, breakfast television, of course, television is a visual medium. It's it's just everything's got to be perfect or as close to perfect as you can get it. Uh, because when it's not, it just drives you nuts. <laughs> uh, at the same time, though, you know your segments are three to five minutes, mostly three to four. So you know, really, an interview with three to four minutes. It's on one hand, there's a lot less pressure mm-hmm. than talking to somebody on Ched for 22 minutes. Yeah. But, uh, and you don't necessarily have to know as much for the subject, but you also, at the same time, there's a whole lot more pressure to keep the interview really focused, really on point, really efficient. Because if, if one, if, if you throw one sort of softball junk question out there, or if you have a politician or on the other hand, someone who's totally inexperienced on television, just going on and on and on and on and on, and you're not jumping in and they're just commandeering the segment, you know, uh, or if you're not getting to the point or if it's cooking segment and the meat is still raw and they need to plate it or, if, or, or you know, whatever. I mean, fill in the blank. There's a thousand scenarios. Um, there's a lot more pressure to it and, and, and you can't rush it because then you look like you're rushing it and then the audience picks up on it subconsciously and gets uncomfortable and doesn't enjoy watching it and all these things are going through your head and you're worried about audio levels and lighting levels and camera angles and, and B-roll that's supposed to be running and is the website up and is the graphics spelled correctly. But, you the, know. but the, like the, the, a lot of those concerns aren't really – like they're, you're the host. It's out of your hands. Yeah, well – Sort you know, of? there's 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 skeleton crews that are working to put out great television these days. Uh, what I mean by that is like there's TV shows that all in, uh, like let's say are working with less than twenty people in the morning, like eighteen people maybe. Yeah. Uh, whereas back in the day, or ideally, it, the number would be probably well over thirty, like live news or, or extra cameras not included. Let's say thirty five people. Wow. So I would say that television shows are like half staffed. Uh, at least, and let me t- like I, you know, I can't speak to other shops, and I have I don't have the insight there, but yeah. So there's a lot of uh, expectations placed on a lot of people. Plus, if you're you know, like I, I won't ignore the elephant in the room. I I like I like to have to a certain extent creative control, and I'm yeah. somewhat of a I, I I try to be a good person to work with, but I like I'm also I have pretty high standards and and um, a bit of a perfectionist, maybe a little bit, uh, at least in that area of my life. So. Uh, yeah, you know, you 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 control what you can, and then you try to sort of let go of what you can't, and um, and then you know, in radio, the the biggest difference is that in BT, you might do something for four minutes, and then you'd have like a commercial break, and then the news, and then the weather, and then they'd roll a feature, then they'd roll the sports net pack, or they'd roll whatever, and you might be off for twenty minutes, and so you can do whatever you need to in that twenty minutes. Whereas on Chad, it's three straight hours split by the the two or three minute news updates and one or two commercial breaks every half hour. So uh, you know. Whatever you have at 8.58 a.m. right before the show starts is pretty much what you have in your head. Uh, you may have commercial breaks to kind of educate yourself or clarify a fact or something or checking quickly with the producer about any wow. breaking news or what they're working on or any elements or working on tomorrow's show. So those two-minute breaks evaporate quickly, and then you're right back at it for another 10, 11, 12 minutes. And if you have nothing or you don't have a strong take or you don't have audience engagement or you're not making your points very clearly – it feels and it probably sounds like an absolute eternity. It must be exhausting. Well, it's and and in the first week, especially, I mean, 
the intimidation was definitely present. I mean, it was definitely a part of it. You don't think that a 10 minute or a, sorry, a 10 second silence is that big a deal, but it, But it's an eternity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was uncomfortable. It is yeah. uncomfortable when when it's when it's just conversation. When it's on the radio, ten five seconds yeah. isn't it? It stretches. Well, into and, although and my style, I use I use I, I'll use pregnant pauses every once in a while for two to three seconds on purpose. Every once in a while, I can't use it too much, and, and that's probably a little bit from the school of Jim Rome. I used to love listening to Rome, and he would. I mean, he'd, you know, and he had this loyal audience and everybody knew like the, the regular callers and, and, um, you know, he'd, he'd pause for like four or five seconds and you'd like lean forward in your chair and I wonder what, and then it'd just crumble the paper up and say, no, I'm not going to read that. And you'd just be like, <laughs> yes, but you can't do that too much. Like, you know, you can't do that kind of stuff, but, but I think it's figuring out how do you keep your audience engaged. Well, and, and a pregnant pause is something to let something land. Right. Sure. You, you get a point across, and you or get to turn second. the page. Yeah. 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 Or you know, one of the one of the best techniques in interviewing is to wait what feels like an excruciatingly yeah. long time, so that your subject is like, "Oh God, I have to fill this space with something." And quite often, that's when you get the best shit out of them. Yeah. Sometimes it's true. Yeah. When people panic. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh God, I need to talk now. So you you mentioned Ryan that you've got. Uh, You've got feedback like you're not Dave Rutherford, which is what it is. <laughs> Generally speaking, how do you feel? How are the listeners receiving you? How are they engaging with the show? I think well. Uh, and that's, I, th I think a big part of it is that I, I had some super, super harsh critics right off the bat. And uh, especially on the text line, the, uh, the number shows up. I mean, people, when they text the show, they should know that we have their numbers. Not like we're going to do anything with it, but I've been tempted to call a couple of them. Like, what is your deal, bud? Like, <laughs> you need to go smoke a joint. You need to chill out, man. Uh, but uh, no, I, um, so you get to know a few of them because you can click on the phone number and it'll show their history of text messages. And you're just like, wow, you're just very angst ridden. You're very angry. You're very, you know, combative. You're very whatever. Uh, but I've, I've sort of made it a priority. I'm not like necessarily the guy to like back down, but I'm also not the guy to engage all the time. I'm pretty like, all right. I mean, like, it's cool if we disagree. Like I, some of my best friends, we disagree, you know, there's significant distance between our perspectives on a number of issues and we're best buddies and fuels our conversations on hikes and around campfires. It's no big deal. So, um, I think once people got the idea that, and maybe some people still are that it's it's a conversation and a conversation includes different perspectives and um you know no one's just going to be kind of crucified on the show i mean sometimes if if the shoe fits uh you know if the situation calls for it i'm sure there'll be some strong speak and strong perspective but it's not just me preaching or barking at people yeah um but i'll pick my spots like if there's something i have a take on i think people expect you to have an opinion and some people probably tune in to hear what that opinion is uh, but the feedback's been great we've we've tackled some unconventional topics on Chad. You know, we've, we've uh, talked about everything from gay straight alliances to transgender parenting to, uh, you know, legalization of marijuana to atheism. Um, you know, just on Friday, we, or pardon me, on uh, Thursday, we had uh, uh, Jesse Koshardin. He's the subject of this uh, piece on vice.com about Shea Pierce Cabaret in Edmonton yeah. and kind of the, the, the crazy story that that is operating without a liquor license for 45 years and it's kind of the watering hole for cops and so busts were rare and Muhammad Ali was good friends
friends with the owner, and the owner fought Sugar Ray Robinson, and 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 Pierre used to go out with big signs in downtown telling hookers to donate to the United Way, and I mean he, and, you know, there was no crime on his block because Pierre kept it clean, and I mean all these, I mean it's just this incredible, fascinating story of a place that was open and has been open and remains open in Edmonton. I know, but now this third generation, this grandson Jesse, is now he's got the liquor license and he's renovated the place a bit and bringing it a little bit more up to speed, but trying to keep that atmosphere that has, uh, you know, given it such legendary status. And I mean, it's just a fascinating story. I understand not everybody wants to talk about a strip club on the air. I understand some people are totally offended. Uh, but you know what? Some people are totally offended when we talk about Stephen Harper. And some people are totally offended when we talk about, believe it or not, like equal rights for all humans. So uh, for me, if you're offended, uh, at least you're engaged. And, you know, I, I think that people can know that when they listen to the show, they're going to get exploratory, curious radio. Nothing's out of bounds. But at the same time, I mean, there's basic parameters of good taste. Come on, right? I mean, yeah. it is what it is is you know but it's just it's it's you know i'm 37 i'm turning 38 in a little bit and i kind of saw this as a a neat transition point for my career and i wouldn't have done this if i didn't think that there was incredible potential for this show and for this format and it's exciting to be getting in it you know right now at this time and with the support of chad and chorus and um you know i mean the strength of a heritage brand and great coworkers and a good lineup through the day yeah. uh you know oilers rights eskimos rights it's 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 great man it's awesome it's kind of uh, i'm really a, excited kind of a dream come true well and you know what i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's anything less than that like it's it's it really is it's exciting and i haven't felt this invigorated in a while i also haven't felt this challenged in a while and that's a good thing so do you uh, do you feel that you have uh, the right kind of support for that challenge with the team that you've got i think so yeah, I mean, I sure get that impression. It's funny, like, I'm still, especially, like, our studios are all upstairs, God, as, of course, you know, but the, the FM studios are downstairs, and, and then all, like, the sales and the marketing and the promotions, and the, the, I mean, it's a big machine there, right? Yeah. It's a big team. And I'm still kind of at the stage where there's a lot of, like, buddies in the hallway because I'm still like, you know, within my first three months, still trying to learn all the names, still trying to, you know, I'm still familiarizing myself with the place. I've been there seven years and there are people who work downstairs who I recognize their face and I could not tell you their name because the upstairs team and the downstairs team rarely interrupt. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in there, right? But uh, no, I've certainly felt welcomed. And it was funny, the holiday party was uh, was uh, the weekend actually right before my show launched. So I was invited there before I'd even really technically been on the air. I'd been on the air a little bit, teeing it up, but had, the show hadn't launched yet. And so that was kind of a neat experience. And to feel welcomed, like from the podium at the like right at the beginning, and wow. stuff, I was like, yeah. I mean, that that struck me as like that was like a, I mean, maybe a small gesture for for Gary McKenzie, the the uh, what's his title, Scott? He's like the GM for Alberta, I think. I believe so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, no, it was, I mean, it meant a lot, and and it's the kind of atmosphere you want to work in, it's the type of the workplace you want to be in, and it's exciting. And you maintain your position as one of two in the media power couple in Edmonton. Of course, your wife, Carrie, works it up 99.3. Yeah, she does the morning show, the wake-up show with Jason and Carrie. So one last question before we switch gears to the Fast 15, then. You don't have to wake up as early. It's amazing. And it's it's like a huge lifestyle change. That's fantastic. Because I was always – I always believed – and this is not – why I'd be out all the time, but I always believe that if you're going to host a morning show in a city or be in some sort of a, in a media commentating role, you better be out. You better be about, you better have been to some of the concerts and been to some of the Oilers games and, and been to the new restaurants and shopped locally and shook hands with the people. I mean, you better kind of know what's going on and be in touch and be relevant. 
Um, and, and I was never hardwired to be going to bed at 8 PM like that. When I accepted the job, the opportunity to host BT, I also knew like there was a drastic lifestyle change coming. You know, you wake up at quarter to four every morning, every weekday morning for six years, you're always tired. And sometimes you can fit in naps and sometimes you can't. I mean, you know, I work as the in-game host for the Edmonton Oilers. So sometimes you try to have a bit of a pregame nap because then you're going to be up again till 1130 at night and blah, blah, blah. But I never really got much sleep, like for six straight years, just kind of running on empty. And then I just crash like hell on the weekends, like crazy, like hibernate. Uh, And now I'm still going to bed around the same time, uh, but I'm getting six hours of sleep now instead of three. So, so it's, uh, I mean, it's literally doubling and it's incredible. Like it's incredible like to wake up at, you know, whatever time quarter to seven now and, and, and be like. Like, oh, it's like, you know, if I was, if it was a Disney movie, there'd be like chickadees and, you know, bluebirds flying above my head and flowers popping up and rabbits bouncing around at my feet. Like it's, I feel it's, it's amazing the difference. That's good. So, yeah. And I mean, man, people that do morning, I mean, that, that's a kind of a prominent thing, right? If you host a morning show in television or radio, that's kind of, especially in FM radio, like if you have the morning show, that's kind of the big gig, right? Uh, but those people, most of them are making big sacrifices on, on one side or the other. Either they're missing everything and going to bed at 8 p.m. or they're operating on very little sleep which can make for good content Uh, yeah almost certainly well and especially on uh like if you're the morning dj on an fm rock station or something there's kind of the expectation that you're going to be at major concerts to be seen and to help host and yeah and what have you although there's very those don't tend to start early in the day no they don't (laughs) no and uh yeah, maybe there maybe a few morning microphones reek like Jack and Coke. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly, I'm gonna have to uh, I'm gonna have to pay attention next time I, I'm, if I'm ever on a radio show in the morning because sometimes I get to go on CBC and shit. Mark Connolly smells good. Well, that's just its own statement. There, there, tweet that. Yeah, that should be tweet the, that Rosenheart. The tagline for so many things. <laughs> All right. Well, it's that time in the show. Your favorite time in the show. The Fast Fifteen. That's right. Now we uh, we've had Ryan on the show before. Mm-hmm. We've never actually fast fifteened him. No, because usually it was on his show at that time when he was very busy during commercial break. Okay. Yeah. So this so. is just a chill afternoon for you. And, yeah. And so the way this works is we ask fifteen questions of all of our guests. Okay. First thirteen are standard questions that everyone gets. Yeah. And the last two are tailored to you, my friend. Oh boy. Yeah. So you ready for the fast fifteen? Yeah. Uh, what does the fast mean? My answers have to be fast. As we quick, say as that quick as you can go. They never are. <laughs> fast is so relative. This turns into a ten minute conversation every time. Okay, yeah. and that's fine. So here we go. Number one, your favorite food. And we're off to a good start. <laughs> I love to eat. So for me to answer this is like tough because I love to eat. But if uh, if you find the most perfect, most beautiful. Uh, lasagna. Ooh, it's tough to beat. That's a good, good answer. Choice, yeah. Favorite color? Uh, I uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I I'm a big fan of some nice shades of green. Ooh. I've got a I've got a, a yeah I've got a Jeep that's big and green. Awesome, I love it. Awesome. You've seen it. Yeah. Mac PC or Linux? Oh, uh, well, I just. Uh, got back into Mac. Nice. Yeah, and I have an iPhone. I think I know the answer to this one. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. Your favorite holiday? Ooh, 
Uh, oh man, how do you? I mean, Christmas is so wonderful and so magical, but I love St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> I think that's the first St. Patrick's Day. Well, yeah, you know, I, that goes really well with your love of the color green too, doesn't it? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, green is green is my favorite. Very, right on. Okay, what about your favorite sport? Uh, hockey. Uh, favorite pastime? Uh, scuba diving. Favorite show to binge watch on Netflix? Ooh. Uh, Trailer Park Boys. Whoa, interesting answer. And original. We haven't had that one. What about your favorite movie? Braveheart. Favorite video game? Not a gamer. All right. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Fly. It's got to be fly. And now the... Not quite penultimate question, but in any case, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. Damn it. You didn't even get Star Trek out. He was right in there. All right. So now we're on to our two wildcard questions. Uh, Now, I know you like to do off-roading every now and then. Yeah. What would be an ideal place anywhere on Earth that you'd like to go off-roading? I would like to be uh, with my brother, Jonas, uh, where he is right this minute as we speak. Uh, He's down wheeling in Moab, Utah. And uh, you should follow him on Instagram while you're on there at Double J's, D-U-B-B-L-E-J-S, and see what he's done. He's just, my, my, my younger brother, Jonas, is just this. He sets his mind on something that he wants to do or wants to build or wants to learn about, and he just does. By trade, he's a journeyman cabinet maker, but he's turned that into a career as kind of a, a contractor, a home-built contractor. And on the side, he uh, maintains these uh, beautiful sort of like race cars, like the, the Japanese style. You know, and I don't know if it's tacky to call them rice rockets, but he used to be into that, and then it's transitioned into building big Jeeps, and uh, his uh, creativity knows no bounds, and he's just finished sinking about 150 hours into this exoskeleton. He welded a cage on the exterior of his Jeep Cherokee, uh, wow. which is already like lifted and snorkeled. And it's got, I mean, it's just the whole nine yards. You can imagine the lights and the, I mean, the everything, it's just a machine. <laughs> and, uh, he's down there debuting it in Moab, Moab, Utah right now, and just having uh, the time of his life. And so if I could wheel with him, cause it's always a fun family thing. That's one of the big reasons why we do it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that would just be a dream trip. That's awesome. All right. Now your last wild card question. You're about to become a dad. Yeah, in August. Yeah, so what are you most looking forward to about that, do you think? Oh, wow. Uh, I don't even know yet. That's the whole <laughs> point. Uh, all I know is that uh, men, like fellow uh, you know, friends and family members and, and people who I trust, who I know would have no reason to BS me, uh, who have become fathers and who, you know, we have sort of similar social habits and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they've all looked at me and said, this is the best thing that is ever going to happen to you. And I know they wouldn't be asked me. And people have also said, like, you know, you're not going to sleep and it's going to be frustrating. But you've already done that. And blah, 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 the blah, not blah. Sleeping I've thing. already done the not sleeping thing. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I just, so I don't know exactly that, but I imagine the magic of like, uh, looking that little one in the eyes. Uh, we don't know yet if it's going to be a boy or a girl. We're going to wait to find out. Uh, and just, I mean, it's probably going to be, I mean, I, you know, I, sometimes I'm kind of, you know, you know, opinionated and strong talking, whatever. And then sometimes I'm just a huge suck and just, a, you know, I, I definitely like, you know, I've probably cried at more than one movie and, uh, <laughs> you know, I definitely have. And like, you know, I'm, 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 I can definitely, I have a sensitive side too, and I think that this child is probably just going to melt my heart. Oh, so I'm sure. I really, I'm really looking forward to that, and I know it's going to be a big change for us, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Not at all. Uh, someone said, "Well, I think it was actually Carrie, my wife." We were talking, and 
And she said, uh, you know, it was just talking about, you know, the conversation, it was probably before we were even married about, you know, do you want to have kids? Do you not want to have kids? And, and I said, like, I can picture life without kids, like just where you're, you're chasing your career and all that kind of stuff. And there's, and, and to be quite frank and honest here on the unknown studio, I mean, a big part of that really appeals to me. Like, sure, I, yeah. I, to be honest, like it's, it wouldn't be the end of the world for me if we never had a kid. Uh, and then at the same time I kind of go, but you know what, like a big part of me kind of has a hard time imagining life without one. Mm-hmm. And then I guess that side kind of just won out. There you go. Which is fine. I read an article once, uh, on, um, I can't even, I cannot recall the, uh, the internet source for it, but it was, um, a list of things that all men should do before they die. And they included things like punch a man in the face and change a tire, you know, things that, things that are manly. uh. And one of the last ones was become a father. Oh, right on. And I thought that was kind of poignant actually. So there you go. Ryan Jesperson winning at life. Congratulations yeah. to you and Carrie, buddy. Oh, geez, it's thanks. great news. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you for the kind words. And thank you for being on the show. It's That's, a total pleasure. It's, uh, it's been too long. Yeah, I've been looking forward to it. So thanks for the invitation. Of course. Any, anytime. You're welcome back anytime. Beauty. Open invitation. He, now he's just going to drop in randomly. <laughs> like we'll be talking to someone else. Me again, guys. Uh, well. You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, episode 115. Our guest, Ryan Jesperson, pre-production by Adam Rosenhart, post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. Subscribe today at patreon.com slash unknownstudio. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening. Uh, my mom gave us our Easter present today. What did you get? Uh, because she was, she was like, well, I'm not going to have time to give it to you on Sunday because we're going to be going over to Auntie Jody's. And I'm like, mom, we're going over to Auntie Jody's like four. I work until noon. We can, we can come over. And you said that you want me to come over and change some light bulbs for you anyway. Well, then what the hell? So, <laughs> but she just, you probably just couldn't wait. She was excited. Uh, well, we still have her Easter present. We haven't given it to her, but yes, we got some Kinder mini eggs. They're okay. Kinder surprise. Chocolates are they hard shell? But they're little mini eggs. I don't assume so. I don't. We haven't tried them yet. Well, we got them at lunch before coming here. You're gonna have to bust them. Up. Um, and my question was, do they have tiny toys inside of them? No, the probably not. The answer is probably no. But I kind of want them to.